told me that your wife said that he called it Ocean Eleven. Now, who decided that? I'm a private contractor. It was a collaboration. That moniker is insulting. Yeah, I mean, Danny, it was one job that we did together, so I don't know where this whole, like, proprietary stance comes from. Wait, it seems a little possessive. One here. could make the argument that because it was, in fact, Danny's idea, maybe no, it well, should No, hang be... on a minute. We all had our own areas of expertise. I mean, without us, it don't leave your head, mate. It just hurts, you know, because it seemed like we all agreed to call it the Benedict job. I mean, that's what we called it when we were doing it. You know? right. <laughs> if you wanted to call it something else all along, then... Wait, when you have a problem, who do you go to? Rusty. Rusty. This is probably, I think, like, if I want a movie to just, like, relax to mm -hmm. after, like, a bad day, I throw this on and I'm like, okay, we're good. Oh, That's yeah. fine. Yeah. It's a great stone viewing, too. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I guess, well, I guess Soderbergh <laughs> at one point did say it's the most expensive stoner comedy ever made. Because it was mm -hmm. made before The Hangover. <laughs> I mean, the, I will say that the third uh, Hangover movie is barely a movie. Um, That's something else. It's a lucid experience. It has no pulse whatsoever. It's not even a comedy. John Goodman's no. the villain, right? Oh, fuck, that's right. He is the villain. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> John Goodman is the villain in The Hangover 3, and uh, they also decapitated Giraffe. Oh, my God. Okay, that was funny. Now. See, that was funny. I like that. I okay. like that. I like when they killed the giraffe. I like when they, <laughs> the, the, the giraffe is dead now, and I like it. Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, it's. Uh, I haven't seen the first one really in a long time, so I, I saw like, the first one in theaters. I did what? too, look, and I was like, I was like, this will be fun. I had a good time, but look, I was also I younger. I'm sure I would probably not like it as much now. I remember like looking at. My, like my friend Tony and just being like, did you like that? And he was like, no, and I was like, good, same, same page. But I think we were just like, yeah. are we, are we old now? You know. I remember we saw that together and we saw Juno together and we were both like, people are into this. I think was very 2007. It's a product of its time. Look, I'm a low key, the front runner stand. So that movie's not bad. I don't it's understand why everybody was like fucking stupid fucking Jason Reitman. I was like, this is probably one of the better things he's done, honestly. I love he did, the score. He did Young Adult, great. though, right? He did. Young yeah. Adult is Well, that's the best sure. thing. Yeah. And that's so great. That's amazing. Well, he's better than Max Landis. Yeah. But he'll never be better than Soderbergh. No. Not many people are. Not many people nope. are. Nobody's nobody's built like him. Nobody can do what he does. The director, um, editor, cinematographer himself. Mr. Peter Andrews. What's the editor synonym? Miriam Bernard. There you go. You had that one quick, Miriam Bernard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What was the first movie that Soderbergh DP'd for himself? It was his first one, Sex Lies. I feel no. like that one he shot, and no. then it was like... Someone named Walt Lloyd, who also shot Empire oh. Records and Pump Up the Volume and Private Parts. Okay, yeah. Oh. I think he edited the first one, though. He edited that, though. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, Pump yeah. Up the Volume? Yeah, yeah, he edited it. Yeah. The was first like, one he shot, maybe it was Ocean's Eleven. That'd be crazy. Schizopolis. I mean, oh. Okay. That and then sense. Traffic. And then Ocean's <laughs> Eleven. Okay. Okay, there we go. He's made a lot of movies. He's been making He's movies since I was born. What year? 1989? <laughs> I was born in 88, and he did Sex Lives Videotape 89. In 88? Okay. 89. I was born in 88. You're listening to Rotten Rewind. We're talking about Soderbergh. 
We're a podcast that we like to dig up the movies that the critics... We like to uh, we make a vault joke. We like to, you know, oh. open the vault of movies that critics don't like Couldn't, you so much. My brain is not fully working in that way right now. I'm sure there are good puns that I'm not thinking of. I'm sure there's good ones. If you're listening, you probably already know what we do because yeah. you're on Patreon. You know what we do here. I'm Max Rue. And I'm Courtney Peranto. As you've been hearing, we're we're joined by a third a returning guest, a second time guest. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Oh my second god. Second time champion, I guess. I, I love that. Yeah. He loved it so much the first time he had to come back. Andrew Jacobson, very talented Hello. writer and filmmaker. Thank you for coming back. Absolutely. Happy to be yeah, on. This is your sequel, and we're doing a yeah. sequel. That's right. I mean, I'm just gonna get this out of the way. Is this one of the best sequels? I think no. it's probably it has to be. Yeah. I think I think well, I'm just like, there's a lot of, I mean, like if we're talking like top 20, yes, I think it's probably out of the top 10. Best sequel ever before sunset. Yeah. Okay. I also, I love Gremlins yeah. too. I love Bill and Ted too. I, yeah, so I think it just like sits outside of the top 10, but is a okay. really good sequel. That's all I'm saying. Look, I think it's an incredible sequel because it- Because uh, everyone hated it. Well, <laughs> no, because it completely calls into question the point of sequels. It deconstructs sequels. Yeah. It knows okay, what okay. it's doing. I'm just saying- Actually, you know, uh, you're guy, selling me. You're selling this, me. This guy knows what he's doing. I don't um, know. Maybe knives out glass onion. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, people like it. I have not people seen like it. it. Yeah, people like hey. it. They're fans. Look. Ocean's 12. This is a movie that I think is perfect to close out our month of vulgar vibes. It's a vibe. It, it is, is a vibe. It is a hell of a vibe. The greatest but vibe. But it's also yeah. plotty. It, there, there's some plot. Yeah, but also you can disregard it if you want. It to. totally throws the out the window, part. I think. It's kind of just like, it's just about love. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. last 20 minutes, Friendship. they just say, well, I mean, fuck everything we did before. They just yeah, that is true. It. It's funny. Which is tight. This is the 2004 sequel to Ocean's Eleven, a movie that is pretty perfect. Yeah, I think it's perfect. Oh, yeah. Actually, it's very, it's timely because one of the stupidest fights my dad and I have ever been in is like one Thanksgiving. He told me that I could watch any movie that I wanted to watch on his like big screen. And uh -huh. I picked the Oceans movies and he put them on for like 20 minutes. And like as an insult, he, he meant it as a pejorative. He was like, I can't watch these. These are too classy. We're all the retards. Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I could not imagine like that. Like, if you know my dad, that is the most my dad comment ever. And I think about it every time and I giggle. Like, it's, I can't, I can't. Max kind of did hit the nail on the head. There's no farting. There's no retards. Like, my dad doesn't want to sit down for this. He likes the Fairly yeah. Brothers. Yeah, that makes sense. Soderbergh is a guy we've never talked about on the podcast because he doesn't, he doesn't uh, apparently strike out with critics too much. Uh, so every now and again. Yeah, well, now he's just sort of working at such a fast clip that he's he's bound to. I mean, should we just go through and say what our favorite Soderbergh movies are? Yeah, everyone knows. Way? Or you could guess mine. I mean, I just think I have the right answer. Mine's mine's. <laughs> out oh, of out of sight. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, yeah, out of sight's my favorite too. Yeah. Andrew, can I guess yours? I think yours is going to be the limey. That's a good one. I dig that one. I don't know. Uh, I feel like that's like a cool guy one. You know what I mean? Andrew, it's like, you're a cool guy. We know, you know what, what you I mean? like. Cool guy. Um, this guy only likes cool guy it was a, It was a compliment. It was a compliment. Oh, no, I know. I'm just, I haven't thought about that one ever as my favorite. I mean, I think Oceans is probably my favorite. Oh, tight. I think my, the, so my favorite thing he's done, though, is Mosaic. 
I love Mosaic. Mosaic is really oh, I I'm really like Mosaic with too. I wish people would cast Sharon Stone more often. Now. Oh, she's like, yeah. she's so everyone's great in that show. But yeah, Mosaic is super satisfying. But of the Especially movies. because I feel like we culturally will just like watch other things that are kind of like Mosaic but worse. Like the one with fucking Hugh Grant as the bad guy. Spoiler alert. Oh, letter. I know what you're talking about. It's yeah. like they were both HBO, and everyone watched this fucking Hugh Grant one with Nicole Kidman, and no one watched Mosaic. And Mosaic is like actually like interesting like capable yeah. satisfying um yeah i think my top soderbergh's out of sight is number one with a bullet i just love that yeah same it's same, a perfect same. movie it's i incredible. think that's definitely in the top three for me my number two is the informant oh I yeah mean, you love that love movie but that is your wheelhouse of like incompetent white men movies like in yeah. over their head yes. yeah. that's we were talking about we that love a sociopathic white guy that is probably max's like wheelhouse of cinema yeah. i mean look um, that's matt damon's maybe best performance he is yeah though i think he's, he's i, I so like his character in these movies a lot he's great i in like him movies. as he like knows a, his place in these movies and that's yeah. a hard thing to do as a movie star i like him as like like in the background a little more than i like him as a star like i really like him in even though i don't like the true grit remake i like Lebeef he's the it. best performance I think he's the best true performance mm-hmm. yeah the original is darker i don't really understand why this is made i i really like aaron brockovich aaron brockovich is really that's good. great i it's rewatched like, it during the first year of the pandemic because i hadn't seen it since it came out and i was like oh this is fantastic and i love this that it finally gives movie. her her oscar like she deserves it she, yeah what's everyone's least favorite <laughs> the good german i've never seen the good german it's not good yeah, the good German I've not seen. I haven't seen Kafka, which I've always been interested. Oh, me either. Full Frontals, I think. I think Full Frontals the worst. I think Full Frontal. But like Full I think Frontal is Soderberg. at least like I, I'm like soft on Full. Frontal. I mean, it sucks. I don't think he's ever made like a, a capital bad B movie. bad movie. No, yeah. I don't think that's. I think it's impossible because he's too competent Controlled. as a filmmaker and artist. Yeah. yeah. So it's like even when he fails, it's still so interesting mm-hmm. to watch. Like Full Frontal. Yeah. Oh fuck! I can't then- say I was bored. You no. know, Magic Mike is, I don't love the last act, but I love Magic Mike. Yeah. It's, oh, you know what? I XXL really don't like Haywire just, very much. Haywire, I didn't like when I first saw it, and I rewatched it a couple you years like ago, it? and it I would rewatch rips. it. Oh, okay. Haywire okay. Okay. And then I it, like Solaris quite a bit. Solaris, Solaris is amazing. Is in my top great. five. That might be the top three. I think it's Ocean's 12, then Shay. And then Solaris. No one picks Sex Lies for their top. I three. don't love Sex Lies and Videotape. I like it. You know what? I it's like one of those movies time, that when yeah. I hear a really smart film critic discuss it and talk about it, then I am moved to watch it again. And then sure. I don't like I like like I like like the criticism of it and like like the the rhetoric around it maybe better than yeah. the thing itself. I also like side effects as like one of his newer movies. Side effects is fun. Yeah. Side he effects makes is Channing fun. Tatum wear some ugly hats, but besides <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, I think the bottom of the the room for me is definitely full funnel the laundromat. Never saw that. It, 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 it's it's not great. I for some reason, I guess I am alone in this. I am not a big Logan Lucky fan. I want to Whoa. be I, I haven't seen not. that. Whoa. I, on paper, I should love that movie, but I just yeah. I cannot connect with it oh i do like let them all talk too i thought that was surprising yeah great. that was just oh, a great so crazy great little surprise magic mike last dance he's directing it so mm-hmm. yes, i can't wait oh and kimmy was like kind of throwaway but fine kimmy's fun that's it's- probably one of my favorites of the year like there's that great moment where she's like thinking about what happens in the audio tape and then you see it like yeah. that fade I, like, I still think about that. I'm like, okay. I think I just wish it was honestly longer. And like, that's probably I, the I best wish... movie to tackle the pandemic too. 
of because oh, the pandemic genre yeah, it utilizes is it pretty well. annoying okay. and yeah. i think it found a way to use it in a way that i think like justified its existence and i was like oh okay this makes sense and zoe kravitz is actually she's really good she's good oh she's great she's very good she's great. and like i just feel like no matter what i don't know how many directors we talked about on this show that you get to like look at the filmography and like have that long of a discussion because like people people that are great like lynch or whatever like don't produce that many movies but it's like yeah. almost one a year for he, he just does. wrapped a six-part hbo miniseries yeah he's insane that he also know. shot and edited again yeah he's like what james <laughs> franco was aspiring to do for a few years there but he's mm-hmm. successful at it a bubble is a weird one bubbles yeah, it's been a really long time since i it's i appreciate it more than i think i like really like it it's interesting i would love to revisit the girlfriend experience i haven't seen it since it came out me too I did think the show was great, though. High Flying Bird was really good. The two-hander of the iPhone movies. Yeah. Both of those are great. Unsane. I'm a big Unsane Oh, yeah. Unsane's fun. Unsane is really good. Amazing Matt Damon cameo. One of the best. How about social media? Are you on any social media accounts? Uh, I'm on Facebook, but my account's private. Right. Okay. That's that's no good because he'd be able to, uh, you know, figure out a friend of yours from marching band or uh, a sorority sister and 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 go get photos from them create a bogus account and then try to friend you that way your friends know your email just that's enough just delete the facebook today you know baby showers or, or uh, you know chardonnay day with the girls or you know whatever it is if there's someone's taking a picture you do whatever you can to get out of it yeah, I do like him in the background. Though. Like, he's not my guy. Like, you you like him a little more than I do. Yeah, I like him fine. I think he's a generous, fantastic leading man who knows his place and can and can adapt to whatever he's in. And I think that's rare. He's great in Behind the Candelabra, too. Yeah, yes. he is really well, good in that. He's good in that. I don't think he turns in bad performances very often. I just, like, don't care about Jason I've, Bourne. Sorry. Listen, I don't either, but I've gone on record saying he's never turned in a bad performance. Okay. I'm sorry. I can't. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think you're right. Give me one bad Matt Damon performance. Give me one. He annoys the fuck out of me in The Martian, but like, I don't think the performance is bad, but like, I wanted. He's very good. But like, I hope he died. Like, I was genuinely hoping for like his death. I was like, this (laughs) fucking dude, like he needs to mansplain shit from space. I mean, leave me alone. (laughs) Even downsizing that is just like an atrocious movie. He is doing his best. And then, of course, Contagion, a movie that everybody was rewatching a couple of years ago. I didn't. You know what? I spared myself that. I only rewatched it because I hadn't seen it since it came out. And I was like, oh, I wonder if Contagion holds up. Right. <laughs> Does it? Yeah, it's very good. It's, it's, it's very, it's fucking great. It's very the cast good. cast is. Again, Damon's killing it. <laughs> Damon kills it. What are you talking about? What happened to her? Uh, did, did we miss any big no set of move was one he did last year that was fun with Benicio Cheadle. Oh, I haven't seen that. It's a good time. That was a fun one. Good time. I don't think I knew that he did that, if I'm honest. He did. It was just like, the, okay, now I'll probably watch it as I make this shrimp cocktail later. The Che movies I rewatched last year, incredible, incredible movies. And then The Limey, yeah. Which How we, many rotten movies does he even have? Not many. Is Ocean 13 rotten? No. People Aha. like Ocean's 13 because it returned to what? To the normalcy. Yeah, they yeah. were like, oh, okay, this is what I, I wanted all along. Kafka is rotten. But he did Full. that recut. I'm curious what the recut. I know, I want to like. see the recut, yeah. Full frontal. He produced Rumor Has It. That's weird. The Good that German. Yeah, that deserves, that's pretty bad. The Laundromat. Yeah, The Laundromat. 
He's got wow. some barely, barely fresh movies that we can definitely cover. One of them will have to obviously be Magic Mike XXL, which sits at a 65%. That um, movie's perfect. Yeah. It's a perfect movie. A, yeah. I mean, yeah, come on. like, come on. What do you want? Pony had existed for like thir- 25 years is already like a perfect song. And to like breathe new life into the, like when I hear the song Pony come on, I get like more excited than I have ever before because it just conjures Channing Tatum yeah. dancing. It's like singing in the rain shit. It's just like it puts a smile on my face it's because great... the memory of that is so visceral. Yeah. Same with like the gas I'm not station kidding. scene. The gas station oh, I mean, the scene gas also station is the scene. sweetest. It's one of just the sweetest things I've ever seen in a movie. Yes. It's like, can you make I, her smile? And, and yeah. singular. Like, I can't think of many movies where a bunch of like straight men, like one of the other, one of the men is like, I don't feel sexy. I don't feel hot. And then uh, other guys are like, but you are, you're so handsome. Like, I, I you're so hot. You don't even know how hot you yeah, are. Yeah. It's like women do that all the time. <laughs> like, women, w- like my girlfriends and I will be like, dude, I feel gross today. Like, I feel greasy. I feel fat, whatever. And like, girls do that all the time. And I'm sure men feel that all the time, but they don't like express it. And I just think that that, yeah, that whole thing is really sweet. It's, I want it that way, right? Yeah. But I will also say, I think that that movie did the same thing to that song because as a part-time KJ, I have seen so many songs flop. The one song that I've never seen flop that the crowd will always go wild for, always, is I Wanted That Way by the Backstreet Boys. It's like our generation's karaoke banger. Like 10 years ago, karaoke bangers were sort of like hair glam, like, I don't know, like shake you. I don't know. But now we're like total eclipse of the heart. or You know what I mean? Yeah. And now it's like fully like the Backstreet Boys. I want it that way. Ocean's 12? Yeah. Ocean's 12. We need a job. We need a high-paying job. Well, now we're too hot to work anywhere in this country. Where are we going? You're doing recon work on our anniversary? Tess. I want it all back. Okay. Because I have a whole network. Get out of my car. Thank you. How you doing? You doing all right? Oh, I feel great. For a dead man. What are we stealing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's start sucking and fucking. Let's do this. I do remember people fucking hating it. People hated this movie when it came out. It still surprises me that people hated it. Because I think that the things that Max singled out about it being like unique we're startling because like oceans 11 is just like comforting it's also better than the movie that it's based on you know it's a really perfectly engineered crowd pleaser like i can't think of anything that doesn't work in that movie. which it does make sense because he takes all that apart and it's very yeah kind of deconstructionist yeah. of a movie well yeah because the whole thing is like okay so we're gonna make a sequel and the sequel like is, is pretty, similar like, it, it's a it's a simple setup for a sequel it's almost like playing at the idea of a sequel where it's like we have to pay back this money there's more villains. Plus interest. It's bigger. Yeah, we have to get more in the crew. We got to go overseas. We got to go to this new location. So it sets it up to be like a pretty classic sequel to give you what you want. And then it just settles into something, you know, you could you could argue is kind of sleepy. I don't find that to be a bad I thing. I don't think, yeah, yeah. Like compared to the first one. Yeah. It's just shaggy. You think there would be tension to the whole like, we have to get the money but then it almost seems like they're not getting the money or they're like when they try something, it's like it doesn't work. And then it's kind of right. like, wait, are we are they are they worried? And then I also will say like in the first one, like one of the B plots, that's like pretty 
prominent is it like danny ocean and what's what's julia's character's name yeah danny and tess are like not together in the first one yeah they're like exes and she's with the andy garcia character i think that like also we're set up because of like fucking american cinema to think that like now they like if they would also have to be in a fight but they're fine like you're not gonna you're not worried that she's like gonna leave him or something and i will say like for as like serene as this movie is i do think that like the opening where you're realizing that they have to go back in and that like they've sort of settled into like normal domestic life ish that scene of that her on the phone and you just see from the background like a right. car pull up and it's their anniversary is so well done even if you don't like the movie like think that it like, goes off the rails or whatever like i just think that that shit is just so fucking perfect and her performance is so good in that I love the way that he sets up the whole intro of, of getting everybody back together. Just on a technical level, I think it's, you could argue it's maybe Soderbergh's best technical. I think movie. it's, I, I, really? I think I've had that conversation and that with myself and others and I'm kind of like, I think <laughs> it's his best. Because it's like, there's that great intro to like, I think it's uh, one of the, like, I think it's Rome and he does the thing where he takes the lens off and then he puts the lens yeah. on the camera and it's like, formally he's kind of like, mm-hmm. I've got studio money, I made yeah. a perfect movie, I got, I got, Clooney, Pitt, I got all of them again. Yeah, everyone's like, back. Why don't everyone's Why don't I just back. go to eleven with this? Yeah. yeah, the whole soundtrack is entirely European. The the they have the one from like that Klaus Kinski gangster movie that like nobody's seen, and it's kind of like it's just a love song, and it's like let's throw yeah. that there. Let's just saturate the colors like even more. I think that was the thing that when I first saw it, because I was I was sixteen when it first came out. I remember because I was working at my first job at the theater and it was playing there. I got really stoned before with my brother and his girlfriend. <laughs> and we went to go see it, and I was just fucking vibing with it i was like yeah. this is tight i don't fully know what's going on but i'm having a great time there's some great yeah great music cues at the time when i was 16 i was really excited because steven soderbergh was a big at the time underground hip-hop fan he put a track by visionaries which is like a very specific la underground hip-hop group in this movie and I was like, what the fuck, dude? There's a great Handsome Boy Modeling School and Endell song in the first one. He's he's good with music. Yeah. Sutter just has such a fucking expansive palette and just such a great range of tastes and interests and things that he knows about that he can bring to the table. I remember being confused. I was like, oh, people don't like this when it came out. And I was like, oh, I thought it was really cool. Like, I just, I thought it was tight. I don't know. I had a good time. Yeah. I started to maybe question. I was like, oh, maybe it's not good. Maybe I was just really high or something. <laughs> I think I did that too, that I was like, why? Well, it. Yeah, it sucks because like when a movie comes out that you really dig or vibe with and you really like it and then you find out that everybody hates it, you're like, oh, is there something wrong with me? Like, did I miss something? Or Especially it's the when opposite you're that when everybody age. loves something yeah. and you're like, oh, I don't like this shit. Especially when you're that age because now that I'm older, I'm just like, I'm the opposite. Like, I love blonde and I hate crazy rich Asians. Oh, yeah. And I just like, I know in my heart that I'm right. <laughs> like, it clearly spoke to you in some way so it's, it's like you shouldn't deny yourself that exactly. ability to yeah like, don't deny what you love don't, like i think this year i think andrew and i both like that movie bardo that is is coming oh i out love it a movie more than most people because i went into it thinking this is going to be a disaster it has problems without a doubt but i was like you know what i 
kind of like this I was movie. so moved by it. There were so many moments yeah. I was just moved by it. And then I was like, I was so silly to go on with any expectations. I was just kind of, I was just like, yeah. how silly of me. It's like, I think it, I think it was so honest of himself and he's kind of acknowledging of so much of like what he does as a filmmaker. And I think that was the thing that I was like, I think any movie that's honest about what it is, it's like, you can really feel it. This one is so honest with like, it's just a love story. He opens with Pitt jumping off the balcony. Love <laughs> his, also, his, I do his like that we get to out. know a little bit more about Pitt's character and one of my favorite scenes in this movie is like when they like it's towards the top when they all have to talk about like how much money they've spent from their winnings you know or they're not winnings but what they stole and um, what's uh what's brad's character name it's a good name rusty 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 ryan sounds like a porn star name it does this is like his like most perfect like he's like kind of rugged looking but he's he's just a great looking here but like rusty has like spent easily like the most and then that one character like the like you know the really smart one has spent like barely any you know eddie jemison yeah he spent like none (laughs) And then, like That's, the Casey Affleck, Scott Kahn. They're and, great and, together. And they're oh, great together. They're, they're so, so good. good. I love that their arc in this is just starting a union strike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all they have to do is start a union strike. It's incredible. It, Cheadle's intro is one of my favorite shots in the movie. I could do without the bleeping thing. I get it, but whatever. But the reveal of Andy Garcia and the reflection Ugh. of the glass is beautiful. What a beautiful shot. So that was something that Soderbergh, I, I don't know if you guys read his retrospective interviews about the movie, but that was something that he kind of argued about for it. It's his favorite of the trilogy. Oh, really? Good. And I, and that makes sense. If I were him too, I would be most proud of most this. Proud. I would be like, the shit that I'm doing in this is really difficult. And also he makes it look so easy. And he said, obviously people could say whatever they want, but I could never hate something that's at least even on a superficial level, beautiful to look at. I reserve that kind of ire for what I consider to be actual filmmaking incompetence. So (laughs) it's legit for somebody to say, I didn't like it. It didn't work for me. But if you can't say that and then acknowledge that it's spectacular to look at and the score is just fantastic, then you're kind of outing yourself as taking a sort of ideological position about the movie that's separate from the movie. Yeah, You've got an agenda here because you're not even acknowledging the thing that any, by any standards are worth acknowledging. That shit makes me a little crazy. Can't you separate out anything that you think is good, just good? He seemed a little surprised at first by the... I bet, I mean, that makes sense. It seems like he's actually confused. Yeah, which I think is a good point to be like, listen, like. Like he's not being like, what's his name? Like the Joker guy that like, you know, he's not being defensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not being like fucking defensive. I'm sorry Uh, I triggered you. Um, Yeah, yeah. But he's just like, it seems like he's honestly like a little surprised. Yeah, if Starbuck said that about Ocean's 12, I guess the vibes triggered you. Yeah, he compared it to making interiors in between Annie Hall and Manhattan. He basically was like, listen, Woody Allen can't just leave from Annie Hall to Manhattan. He has to make interiors in the middle in order to get to Manhattan. He's like, I like interiors. I think it's interesting, but it's not considered one of his best movies or successful, but he's like, I find interesting things about it. But then he makes Manhattan and it's like, oh, well, that's what people want. That's the movie they want from you. What did Soderbergh do directly after this? Wasn't it Bubble? Yeah. He goes and does Bubble right after this. And then he does The Good German. And then he does Ocean's 13. And then he does the Che movies. And then Whoa. I think Haywire kicks off. The digital era, yeah. which is a totally different thing. Where once he, once he gets the digital camera, he's like, oh, I'm going to run off and do something My totally different. My problem with Haywire is mostly yeah. just like the lead. Yeah. She's, she's horrible. Good. She's not a good actress. Her whole dialogue had to be, it's, all, it's, all, it's somebody else's voice. 
Yeah, she she's she look, she's not good in it, but it's got some cool stuff in it. I Michael do Fassbender's like that, great. He's great. I do love his death scene in it. Yeah, yeah. There's things that I think about from that movie, but like mostly I was like, I can't believe I had to watch this woman. Yeah. I mean, in between Oceans 11 and Oceans 12, he makes Full Frontal and Solaris. So he cashes in and in one way, he's like, I'm going to do one experimental thing that's going to be like, let's just fuck around. Let's see what this is. And Solaris is the cashing in on your blank check and being like, hey, I just won an Oscar and I just made Mm -hmm. you guys like half a billion dollars on this movie. I want to remake Solaris and make it. I want to make this weird little adaptation of the Russian novel and try to somehow own it, like stand against Tarkovsky in, in his own way. In a yeah. totally different way. Yeah, he makes it's a totally it own, different movie. Which is so hard to do. I think he recognized for this movie, he's like, listen, like, I get that it's weirder. You know, it's a little more challenging in some ways. He was also confused because he was like, this movie tested really well. He's like, it tested oh, really? just as well as the first one. Yeah, he's like, I don't understand. Like, we had good tests. We thought it was going to be fine. <laughs> he said, if I was forced to watch any of these three, I would watch this one again. He said the only thing that they thought was going to be a problem during the shoot was the Julia Roberts as Julia Roberts sequence. I, I remember the first time I saw it just being like the most, I didn't know how to feel about it. And now I just think sort of like why this movie is That's funny. Weird. It's like a bordering on smug, like kind it of is. like, oh, we're rich. I think if Bruce it. Willis wasn't there, it yeah. wouldn't work. He's so but, good, yeah. But Bruce Willis is so fun. Like that scene <laughs> where he's like calling her, like how you know that he knows that maybe it's off. That and is then really Carl funny. Reiner has that great, he's like, do you know what happens with the waves of a phone yeah. to a baby? <laughs> it's such a fun sequence. I also, he was talking about shooting that and he said that was the hardest scene for him to shoot in the movie because he didn't know how to shoot it. He was like, you know, like I can, a lot of this other stuff, it's challenging, but it's still more fun to him. But he's like, it's really challenging to shoot like a situation comedy bit right and he didn't know how to do it and so he he said it took him a whole day to figure out how to shoot it he eventually just started referencing midnight run he was like martin Bress is really good at just stepping back and allowing a wide to kind of just let the comedy play out and that's how he ended up deciding to shoot most of it which and i could see that really being challenging funny in that yeah scene too because like she has to wear a dress that's like very julia robertsy and a fake pregnancy belly like it's yeah. it's pretty funny and they only did it because because she got pregnant before they started shooting uh and i think that's like probably i think that's to me like i think it, when talk about like meta qualities of films and like incorporating that in some way because i think it, it can kind of obviously veer into kind of this is a bit silly. What are we doing? But I think it's like, I think it's the right amount of silliness, especially yeah. where it's a movie that's definitely not taking itself seriously. I mean, there's that great comedy bit where they're all speaking in like tongue. They're like my sister, my sister who went to Belarus, you oh, know, with, tripped with, uh, under the silver moon. With Robbie Coltrane. Robbie Coltrane. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, it's such a silly, like, it's like, what is this? What are we doing? It's just a bit. Yeah. The whole movie's kind of a bit. And then there's these like really sincere kind of moments of oh, friendship. Or, and we haven't yeah. talked about Topha Grace's little cameo, oh. which oh, is yeah. fucking incredible. <laughs> I also it think that great. Julia Roberts as Julia Roberts might not work if you didn't get that too, because it, it it's yeah, it's like, oh, it's obviously. Topher Grace is, is so- in the first one too, right? He's at the card game. He is. He is. Because who else is in Joshua Jackson, I think. Yeah, but like he's really funny here when he's like, I just I what, what did he say about the? Uh, he's like, I love her, I love her, man, but she's driving me crazy. Yeah, <laughs> he's like I totally phoned in that Dennis Quaid. Yeah, movie. yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, uh, which is funny because I think that movie comes out right when the Ocean's Twelve comes out. It, it did, it did, it I did. Yeah, wow, <laughs> not a good movie. He's really funny. I love mm-hmm. him. I think Topher Grace is good. 
Yeah, I think he's a little underrated. Yeah. I'm happy to rewatch Under the Silver Lake for the podcast. I'm not a fan of it, but I do think he's good. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's one of the best parts of the Black Klansman too. And then Vincent Cassell. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We gotta you know you got him. a good movie when it takes 30 minutes to remember Vincent Cassell is in it. And, and has one of the most iconic scenes, a mo- a most divisive Probably. scenes. The laser? The laser scene. People hated that the that laser scene. People hate the laser scene? I'm sorry, what? The laser scene was stupid. Who, first of all, you what is this? Who are these people? I, it's an incredible it's French pop song playing in that, in that scene. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. So good. Because I, I think at that point they were like, this makes no sense. Because the whole It's a cool a, guy doing a cool heist. I don't know what's a cool more guy you doing want. a cool what heist. Do you want? He's doing he's dancing with lasers to some French hero pop. I mean, come on. What I've read is that I think it's true that a lot of people compare like the first one is a great heist movie where everything is going right with a few hiccups along the way. Ocean's 12 undoes that by making it more of a grift or a con movie where everything is constantly going wrong. Nothing right. is going right for mm. them. And then they pull the rug out from under you at the end. But I think it's like, again, like a lot of the movies that we've talked about this month, and I think this one exclusively, like I have no problem with the plot of it, but I think you can choose to, like if the plot is is confusing you or baffling you, I think you can choose to ignore it and the movie still works. Ocean's Eleven, the plot is so the tight. The plot works. It works, but I, I think it's like purposely more convoluted. It feels a little more hazy. They they kind of say it's like you shouldn't follow it. I mean, it reminds me in an odd way of like what I, I love about like Nolan's Tenet because it's a movie that also asks of you. It's like, don't try to understand it. Feel it. And then it's like if I mean, it's like whenever I watch Tenet, I think it's great because I'm just like I'm just feeling it. And it just works mm-hmm. because it's like it's a filmmaker who knows the craft and understands what right. each element's adding up to. And it's like I think whether or not it works for you is entirely, you know, it's, it's sure. independent to the viewer, but it's like Soderbergh kind of showed with Ocean's Eleven that he has so much control. He can have so much control over a film that right. he kind of doubles down on that and says, I'm going to trust. I mean, he's like, I'm going to make the movie that I want to see, which is taking his love of European cinema and fashioning these characters, watching Pitt have like his love arc. And there's that amazing scene after they do the heist, the one heist at the house, she thinks back to them meeting yeah. and it's kind of just set to the one song. And it's like, it's so purely beautiful. Just, I love that. It tells a love story in one minute and then it kind of goes back and it has all these like, it's a movie with so many tangents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he, yeah. he knows those tangents are amounting to just the kind of the tapestry of the movie, which is like, just trust that in the end, you'll understand what happens. It's a movie that just allows itself to oh, yeah. have a bunch of like, let's press pause in the movie real quick, go here, come back, and then we'll continue. And then they circle back to the end and then tell you, oh, yeah, they did the heist in the middle of the movie. You didn't know it, but it, yeah, they did it. I think people felt very like, betrayed by that. They were like, no, I want to see the heist. <laughs> Getting subverted well, that like that. Cool. Because it's like cool. then the audience got heisted. It's cool exactly, subversion. Yeah. It's a cool subversion. And I think that's like when it, that idea is at its best. Because I think I understand to some extent the predisposition to subversion because it's like, oh, I trusted the movie. And then it did something to me that like I didn't expect. I think when it's done right, a movie's really working because it understands what it takes to subvert something. And it's like, and I think it's a great case of like, I love the feeling. I think when I watched it, it was like, I had like the Blu-ray set and I like watched them growing up as a kid. And it was like, did you watch them consecutively? Or would you pull? I mean, it's one of those where it's like growing up. It's like, if it was on TV, I would watch it wherever it is. Like 
continuing on. I mean, it was like, it's, and then it's, I think they're, they're those cable movies where you're just like, you get sucked in no matter it where is. you are. And it's, it's like, if I like, pull oh, out man, the DVD yeah. from my dad's collection, it'd be like, I'd watch 11 and then I'd be like, well, I want to watch 12. And then I watched 12 and then I watched 13. I think 12 is the one that I also gravitated to the most. It felt right at the time. And clearly it was doing something. I didn't know what. Yeah, but then it was you like can't, you can't describe why something is like just kind yeah. of capturing you and 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 then um, it was like I think by a certain point it was kind of just like it's just a movie that just kind of trusts the feelings that a filmmaker had or the kind of artists had. It's a great paid vacation. They went to Italy and they I think that was the thing. My first defense in the movie was like, I think it's kind of a funny flex to be like, yeah, I'll take 120 million and take my boys to Europe and yeah, we'll right. make a movie. It's for what you. Adam Sandler's doing. And yeah, it's what doing Sandler's always doing. I was gonna say also like it's also <laughs> just what the fucking original like the original Oceans movie was shot literally while the cast was already performing a Vegas residence. Oh, right. Yeah. There's yeah, only yeah. a few scenes that you actually get all of them together. So they would just get like a hungover Frank Sinatra who was notorious for like bullying the director. That movie's not good. They're, the only scene that they're all together is when they're walking like like the cover of the movie. Like that's what that movie already yeah. has been. Yeah, I mean, that's why it seemed like an ideal movie to remake at that time. And especially to have a director like Soderbergh come in. Hey, can I ask you something? You ever notice that? If you're going to ask, if you're going to ask me a question, give me time to respond. Unless you're asking rhetorically, in which case the answer is obvious. Yes. Okay, can I ask yes. you? Yes. Thanks. You ever notice that Tess looks Ooh, exactly Don't ever ask like that. You. Ever. Seriously. Not to anyone, especially not to her. Wait, why not? Look, it's not in my nature to be mysterious. But I can't talk about it, and I can't talk about why. I mean, Catherine Zeta-Jones is great. You know, uh, she is, but I, she's the part I understand the least. I, I'm like, I think you're supposed to feel something for her. And if I'm honest, like she's good, but I don't feel anything. Eddie Izzard pops up in this. Yeah. And then you get an Albert Finney cameo at the end. Oh yeah, that's great. Great sequence. I think it is a movie that is, you know, was derided at the time as something that was like a letdown because of the expectations coming off of Ocean's Eleven. It's already hard to make sequels. It's hard to make a comedy sequel. He knew he was going to have to make the sequel given how much money the first one made. So why not switch it up and do something different? I think that's what, what Rob Zombie does with Halloween 2. I think there are a few sequels where the director kind of takes a swing, and I think that's fun to watch. And Halloween 2 is, he takes the first one, which I think is a fine movie, and then just doubles down, but then also does crazier stuff. And I think ultimately that film, like I think so much oh, of yeah. Halloween 2, I think it's one of the best horror movies. It's a great movie. It's yeah. so rich. The first one's what it is, but then it's like, I think the second one takes on a totally different form. I kind of feel like form. that about Scream 2, too. Yeah. I, I like Scream 2. I, I know that nothing will top the original Scream because that's just lightning in a bottle. But and I think even Craven knew that. Yeah. Or at least but I think had he a knows feeling that it was such a it. legacy. With the sequels, you kind of just have to kind of throw that out and kind of just reinterpret it in a new way, which I think any good sequel finds a way to stand on its own or finds a way to either double down on what made the first one really good in a way that is maybe different at a surface level, or it's totally just a reinterpretation or just something whole. It's just yeah. different. Another sequel we'll be talking about next month that. I think takes what works about the first movie and amps it up, but it works because of what the movie is, is Crank 2, High Voltage. Oh, like that's something where it's like, let's go bigger. But you're like, it has to. What else can you do? You know what I mean? Like, I think that he makes, that, that that's the right choice. I'm trying to think of like other really underrated sequels that, that take a swing. 
I think that Bill and Ted's is kind of underrated. And I also think- I think Bill and Ted's mm-hmm. journey is better I, than Oh, yeah. Me sure. too. And I also think it does take a swing. They wanted to call it Bill and Ted Go to Hell. It's yeah. fucking cool. London has fallen, obviously. Den of Thieves 2 has a very big potential to be- That's right. Oh, yeah. Let's see One of the greatest. Do. Let's see what happens when they put Big Nick in London with all the blokes. Big Nick is going to beat the shit out of a bunch of fucking pasty <laughs> Oh my fucking way. London Has Fallen is really funny because it's basically like, what if we just made it more racist? Wait, for real? <laughs> yeah. Who is this? Hey, Cameron. My name's Mike Banny. You are the one with the president. Bingo. So why don't you boys pack up your shit and head back to fuck Hedistan or wherever it is you're from? I guess Bad Lieutenant Portocol in New Orleans is something that is very different. Yeah. Spin on it. It almost is just like, but it's, it's, a, it's just a name. I don't even know if it's like even remotely because it's no. just like, it's just, he's a bad cop. Yeah. And then they kind of took the name and they're like, what if we just put it in New Orleans? I don't know. Fuck <laughs> it. Who cares? The critics, they gave this movie a 55%. It's not tragically low. It's almost fresh. It's sitting at a very similar 58 on Metacritic, 60% audience score. It got a B minus cinema score when it came out. People were not hot on this. Stephen Hunter of the Washington Post said, about halfway through, you'll get an incredible hunger to see a movie. Wow. Joe Morgan of the Wall Street Journal said, these people, the filmmakers as well as the cast, have brought a rare sense of camaraderie to their work. Unfortunately, they forgot to bring a script. They even forgot in the midst of their joyous self-involvement to take good pictures of the places they visited. These aren't like, they're not hard. They're not hurtful. Yeah. Entertainment Weekly said, what's on screen is lazy, second-rate, phoned in, a heist in which the audience whose pockets have been picked. (laughs) Oh, 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 come on. I I don't think you can call this lazy, but hey, okay. Uh, Michael Strago of the Baltimore Sun just said, you don't want to look at anything else when Zeta-Jones is on screen. You don't want to look at anything else. Rolling Stone, the Peter Travers really got this one wrong. Clooney and company work it too hard this time. You can tell they're huffing and puffing to stay afloat. But all I hear is glug, glug, glug. <laughs> yeah. I almost have to give credit to that. I think that's a... Jared Jones of Chicago Reader said, all I got was this lousy movie. <laughs> okay, it's not that what? bad. Though in contrast, Ocean's Eleven, which gave its megastars a neat little high story. The sequel is both contrived and convoluted. The LA Times called it lethargic. People said it's a mess. It's overkill, even frothier and more frivolous than the first movie. Is it style over substance? Absolutely. Let's see. Some people did like this movie, though. Mr. Roger Ebert liked this movie. Good. He said the movie's all about behavior, dialogue, star power, and wise-ass in-jokes. I really sort of liked it. Roger. It didn't connect at the time, and that's okay. It most certainly would not connect today. If it came out, it wouldn't even get made today. I think they asked Soderbergh if he could still make the Oceans movies today in the way that things are. And he said the first one, probably. Second one, absolutely not. Never. No one would ever let me right. make this movie. No. I don't feel bad. He took $120 million from Warner Brothers. Yeah. He made an art movie. That's great. That's cool stuff. Who's everyone's MVP for Oceans 12? Soderbergh? I think it might be Soderbergh. It's Soderbergh. It's got to be Soderbergh. I mean, because it's hard to pick an MVP in a movie like this from the cast. Everyone's great. We're all in agreement. It's Soderbergh. With, that, with like a hard, like I love George Clooney. Clooney's great in it. Pitt's great. Damon's I love great. when Clooney asks Pitt doesn't eat much Julia Roberts no. um, what Bruce Willis was like. 
Bruce Willis is, a, is, is, a, is an MVP cameo for sure. Also, just like George Clooney fucking up like a normal husband. I mean, I saw that new movie, him and Julia Robertson. And like, as an Asian person, is it offensive? Oh, 10,000%. Did I smile? Yes. Yeah. Not during the offensive parts. I can't wait to watch it. I'm going to watch it when it's uh, when it's streaming. I know where Andrew and I stand on this, Courtney. So what's your final rating? Mine is just pretty, pretty good. Okay. I'm going to speak for Andrew here and say that we both think this is a misunderstood masterpiece. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We... If people are trying to pick up on the vibes and they don't know about this movie or they wrote this off, you got to watch it again. Go it check blew, it out. It's still it on Netflix, I think. Yeah, you can always stream an Ocean's movie somewhere. Actually, they're all on Netflix. Yeah, this is this is going to be dropping right after Thanksgiving. But yeah, I think it was three years ago on Thanksgiving. I went to Joshua Tree with my girlfriend at the time and some friends. And we were all trying to pick a movie to watch because Netflix was the only app that the, the Airbnb had. And nobody would choose. And I said, I'm going to make you all watch Ocean's 12. And I put on Ocean's 12. Just the dudes were left with it. Everybody else left, but the dudes were vibing. We were vibing hard. If you can't get into it, I feel sorry for you. That's your fault, yeah. That's your fault. That's not Steven's fault. I feel like people kind of have like the relationship to this movie that they have with like opposite of like Scream or like, so like I write for Scream 3 and I think that this movie is Scream 3 of the oceans where I'm sure. like, well, yeah, but like sure. it, it's it's aware of like of the fact that it's like weird yeah. and uncomfortable. And I just think that they're like, you need you need the desk, desk set. They're all three perfect after the third one as far as Scream goes, like I've met. Don't love oceans eight or whatever but i do think that's funny i do think it's funny that like eight to eleven is almost exactly the uh, wage gap disparity (laughs) so i'm like so i do think that that's funny that was my hot hot joke i think that they are talking about doing another one but with who is the actress margaret robbie Robbie is doing it ryan gosling is going to be in it i mean you know what i love the two of them if you're replacing clooney and pitt i mean you got to get gosling who are you going to get? I actually think that like a, a Jill, I think Jill and Hall could work in an Oceans movie. Yeah. Oh, Jill and totally. Hall would be great. But I think he, he could he, do the I Damon think part. Back, that's what I think. I think he could do the Damon part, honestly. He could do uh, that or like a really good villain. If yeah, Ambulance for sure. has taught us anything, he that's can be true. a maximalist villain. And I think that guy could run a casino great. I think Pattinson could play the pit part. I think he could play that cool. Oh. Just like, I'm just, I'm just here for fun. I'm not stressed. Yeah. There's so many people that you could, that you could put in it. Okay. That's Ocean's 12. That's Ocean's 12. That's that's another one off the bucket list. This concludes our Vulgar Vibes miniseries. Crazy. Within the miniseries. We will have our bonus episode on Soderbergh's Solaris. That will be available probably by the time you get this. Next month, we're, ca- we're finishing the Vulgar Altruism series. And we're going out with a bang. We're, going, we're switching from vibes to maximalism. We're going for Vulgar Maximalism next month. We are going to be talking about a little movie called... Natural Born Killers, directed by Courtney's I haven't seen this movie in so long. favorite director, Oliver Shut Stone. Up. She stands one of my least the... favorite directors of all time. It's like it's like almost like the same, like the anti Soderbergh. When he makes a good movie, I think it's out of his hands and it was a mistake. I think he fucks up good things. God, he I stumbles hate him. into a, into a good movie. I haven't seen Natural Born Killers in a very long time. I'm going to rewatch it this week. It has a great cast, so I'm like I'm 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 willing to say like maybe that's the good. I don't even like JFK. I know you don't, I do. But yeah, we'll be talking about Natural Born Killers. We'll be doing one last two by Tony Scott double feature with Domino and Man on Fire. We will be talking about a little movie called Speed Racer from the Wachowskis. Never saw that. Unsurprising oh, that I haven't seen that. It's crazy. 
I just it's, saw that in theaters again. It's I insane. saw it in theaters too. And I was like, it's very overstimulating. And then we will be talking about The Great Gatsby, Baz Luhrmann's. Oh, that's the one I think I'm the most. I've never seen it. I'm very excited Whoa. to watch it. I dig it. I dig it a lot. I, I am a, a well-known uh, Boz fan. I enjoy his stuff. Listen, I like Elvis. Elvis is good. You saw Elvis, right, Courtney? Yeah, I liked it. Okay, good. Yeah, I, like it was another movie. I think that people hated it less than they hated uh, Blonde. I mean, I think like general audiences liked it. It did okay. well. I think that Tom Hanks is definitely the... My, uh, oh, that is weird. We all know. I actually do think it would be really funny if Tom Hanks got nominated, though. Me too. But just because he, I he, just want to see the clip. He can't. I want Camp to win. He's white? Um, <laughs> that has to be his Oscar clip if he gets nominated. He won't, but it would be amazing. So yeah, we'll be talking about all those movies. Our bonus episode, as we said, will be on the crank movies andrew thank you for joining us thank you for for swinging in last yeah. minute to defend all things oceans 12 absolutely if i have to do it for anybody it's soderbergh you had to do it to him he came running i said we need backup right now oh yeah <laughs> people are talking God. shit on oceans 12 we somebody's talking about about gotta, soderbergh i'm there gotta, you say who what are you saying about him what are you saying about him <laughs> thank you for coming on andrew remind people where they can find you and where they can watch your work Oh, I'm on Vimeo. I'm on Vimeo. It's my uh, it's my name. I'm currently in post on a horror movie, so expect something about that soon. Cool. Fuck yeah. I'm on Instagram, my name for, and then I think my username is forty four is the number. So forty four is the number. I don't, yeah, that's right. He's on Vimeo. Follow him. Watch him. Enjoy him. And if you are listening to this, you're listening on Patreon. We thank you so much for your very generous and beautiful. Tell your friends though. Subscriptions. Tell you. Tell your friends. Tell your friends, get your friends involved. We want to know your friends. We want to get romantically involved with everybody you know, <laughs> just for the price of $3 a month. Yeah. And also follow us on, on the social apps if you're not already doing it. We yeah, probably, we're funny. You probably are. Come on. Come on. Yeah, come on. Come on. Have Bunch a good of time. Come, come on. on. Have funny. a good time with us. <laughs> These guys are goofing around. They're doing cum posts. We love it. We love the cum. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>